Welcome to another episode of Sabine's Common Sense. I'm your host, Sabine, the Purpose Lawyer. Thank you for listening and thank you for helping me be on purpose. So today I'm going to be talking about protecting your creative and in a different way than I normally talk about. So it'll be some new information for you guys. One of my team members had put me on to um, Grownish, which you may know of. It's an offshoot of the show Blackish, which is very successful. And so there are some legal issues that came up in the episode regarding, you know, interning and rights to creatives that I think it would be make sense for us to talk about. So we're going to get into that. And then I have the pleasure of interviewing my producer, Mr. Josh Wilcox. He is super knowledgeable in the arena of podcasting and media. He has produced thousands of podcast episodes. So he's really going to let us know the business of podcasting along with what it is to have a good podcast. So you want to stick around for that as we get into that. All right. So Grownish, right? So what happened on the episode is that the young lady, and forgive me because I do not remember her name, <laughs> but she basically had, um, she was in an internship and Lala Anthony was uh, her boss, essentially. And what she what she had was like a, some sort of, um, I want to say like a clothing line that she was working at. And um, so she was dealing with the big boss. And one day she was doodling a drawing and the boss kind of saw it commented on it, you know, said it was nice or what have you. Next thing you know, she actually created her design, um, not only created her design, but like was like full on marketing it, ready to put it out and everything like that. And so I thought that was interesting because she didn't even really get a chance to like protect what she was doing because she actually was in the midst of drawing it. But it raised up a lot of things for me because people don't realize often when you have other people working for you, like creatives, in your business that are, you know, creating artwork for you, creating designs for you, creating, you know, any sort of creation that someone is doing for you, whether they're an employee or they're somebody who you've contracted to do, you really need to have an agreement in place called a work for hire agreement. And what that work for hire agreement does is really outlines who owns what, right? Who owns what, who has the rights to what, and it could get, it could be very simple, but it could also get very technical because it sort of depends on what you uh, want that uh, creation for and what you're going to do do with it. And there's also different levels of leverage, right? If somebody is just an intern at a place and they're going to be actually creating things, then most likely they're not going to have a lot of leverage and most likely they're going to be giving away the rights to whatever it is that they're creating. But you as the creator, if you're out there listening, you should know that you want to make sure that what you are creating you want to give it away, right? You want to make sure that you're not creating something that you actually would prefer to have the ownership rights to. Because once you sign that agreement that says uh, your boss doesn't, you know, your boss owns everything and you have no rights to it, then you're sort of, you know, giving everything up. And if that's what you intend to do, great, cool. Sometimes you do that because of where you are in life, but sometimes, you know, you are actually uh, creating things that are extremely valuable and you want to get sort of recognized for that. So these agreements can be as simple as, um, like I said, you're giving away all your rights or it could be you're giving away rights to part of it. Like when you're doing um, coding for someone. So say you're, you know, coding software, you may have you may be keeping rights to your base code or part of the code that you use to create software for other people 
or you may be giving away the whole thing. But you kind of need to know exactly what it is. And for those of you who are business owners and you're hiring people to do work in your business, you want to make sure that that's clear as well, especially as it relates to intellectual property, because when it comes to like creating logos or creating designs or creating anything that's creating value in your business or that's going to produce value in your business, you want to make sure that you are the person who owns it at the end of the day and that the person who you hired is not retaining any ownership. And a lot of times people fall into this when they hire companies like Fiverr or Upwork, depending on the agreement that they're entering into, either with the company or with the um, contractor that they're doing work for, there may be some carve outs where they are keeping part of your creation or keeping some rights to what they've created for you so that they could use it for marketing, use it for advertising. But then when they do that, your stuff is sort of out there. And if it's out there before you protected it, that might cause some problems for you, right? So in this situation with the young lady in um, Gronish, what she could have done or should have done was pretty much safeguarded what she was working on, right? Like if she didn't want anyone to know about it or if she didn't want anyone to take it, she probably shouldn't have been drawing something that was of value at her at her work that wasn't related to her work. So you kind of take the risk when you're just in the creation phase. The other thing that she could have done is after with after she had created it is to copyright it, right? So if you copyright, if you create a drawing, that is something that falls under the uh, the arena of intellectual property, but it falls under the space of copyright. And it would have been something easy for her to do to protect her rights in that. So now if somebody sees it, it's like, okay, great. Now we can negotiate because I own it. And now we can talk about what you want to pay for it, right? And so those are just some things I wanted to share with you. Make sure that you have your agreements in place. No matter what side of the table that you're on, it's important for you to understand the value of having your contracts in writing. Uh, because uh, you can fall into uh, a lot of loss and a lot of hurt. And we'll get into that a little bit um, in the interview. So follow me and we'll go talk to my guests. Hey Josh, how's it going to be? <laughs> <laughs> I'm good. How are you? Um, it's it's, it's interesting being on this side of the <laughs> on this side of the fence for the <laughs> first time in a pretty long time. So, um, I can imagine. Yes, yeah. yeah. Josh is Mr. Josh Wilcox. Mm -hmm. He is a producer. He's been in and around music and media for a very long time, and we met here at Brooklyn Podcasting Studio. Yes, this is my studio. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, he's just super knowledgeable at what he does, and I was just, like, really impressed by it. And we actually got introduced because of Nadine, who also comes here. Yeah, yeah, what's mm -hmm. it called? Um, I actually, in full disclosure, you helped me out with a uh, transition of making this business officially 100% mine. Awesome. And uh, I really enjoyed the process. You have a great team and Thank something you. that I'm hoping to... Uh, you know, you, you know, I've I've watched you scale and heard some of your stories about how you scaled your business, and mm -hmm. I'm you know I'm trying to uh, take a little bit of that knowledge and apply it here. But um, but yeah, yeah I had a great experience with you and your team. Ah, oh, thanks yeah. so much, Josh. I appreciate that. Yes, Josh is also a client, and <laughs> happy to say, mm -hmm. um, and um, and yeah, so we we started building this relationship. But Josh, you have been in this industry for a very long time. Mm -hmm. How did you get started? 
Um, honestly, it all happened through like an epiphany that I had on the train. Mm. So like, well, first you kind of mentioned that I started off in music. So yeah. like, yeah, I had worked in the music industry for a while, um, mostly as an audio engineer. Okay. And then uh, I never stopped being an audio engineer. Obviously, I'm doing it as we're doing a session right now. <laughs> right. <laughs> for people who don't know out there, yes, I am recording myself. <laughs> right. He's, he's multitasking. <laughs> multitasking that, during this right that's now. That's talent. <laughs> um, but, um, but yeah, I started off uh, working in music and, um, you know, I went to school for audio engineering mm. and... You know, I worked. You know, uh, I worked in a couple of different studios. Uh, most notably, like I worked for Jim Jones for a little bit of time in oh, his nice. studio. Um, what was that experience like? Um, interesting. <laughs> <laughs> very, very interesting. I was just say I learned a lot. Okay. Um, I definitely enjoyed a lot of things. There was a lot of things I didn't like. Right. Um, most, what I would probably say, most notably though, like I got a lot of confidence from that studio, both mm. with the good and the bad. Um, okay. I really learned how to just, you know, work and put my head down and just work despite the fact there were a lot of distractions. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure this was like what. And what what era yeah. was so it? this was kind of like before um, this is like after his you know major hit ball and a few years oh, removed okay few years removed from that um, and I think Dipset had like their little breakup at the time but they were kind of reforming back together and stuff like that okay um, but I spent most of the time I recorded a few of Jim's tracks to be honest with you but oh, I nice. mostly but I mostly but I mostly recorded for his uh, label that now I think is getting ready to restart itself called Bird Gang. Oh, okay. Um, so, like, I ended up recording, like, a lot of those artists and a lot of, like, their early stuff, so. Okay. So yeah. that must have been cool because that was just, like, sort of the height of, of their sort of popularity. Yeah. It, I mean, it was, I mean, I'm not going to lie. It was pretty cool. Like, mm-hmm. the studio, what the, one of the coolest parts about it was, like, the studio, I'm not going to give the address where or anything right, right. like that, but it's somewhere <laughs> in Midtown where a lot of other, like, really famous studios are. Okay. And uh, it was on, like, the eighth or ninth floor or something like that. And I like this perfect view of, like, the uh, the Empire State Building and stuff like that. And, like, And you could see, like, the sort of the lights coming off the building and the clouds and stuff like that. So, wow. like, I was working with that as like the backdrop wow um did you feel like it was sort of like dream come true at the time or um initially yes Mm -hmm. i mean the funny part is when i got (laughs) so the funny part is i ended up getting that gig Mm -hmm. um Largely because this is the only time where I'll say I actually got a gig that got that gig largely because of my degree, actually. Mm, so okay. the school I went to was Full Sail and a Full Sail grad was the main engineer at the studio. And he okay. was looking for help because he was really Jim's main engineer. Mm. And he was like, well, if you've done this before, he's like, if you've gone to the school, I know you know your stuff. Right, so, right. Um, so he was the one that got me in there. And uh Initially, I was just like, oh, my God, I, I when I went into the studio, I didn't know who owned the studio. I didn't okay. know who I would be working for or anything like that. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, I just opened the main control room and there's Jim Jones just sitting there. Oh, and wow. Then I was like, oh, oh, like, you know, it's one of those things where like you're starstruck for half a second. Yeah. And you're trying to play it off like it's everything's cool. Yeah. Um, you know, got home, obviously was cheesing, told my girlfriend, who's right. now my wife, um, you know, about oh, it and everything cool. like that. So, um, so yeah, it was initially kind of like that. But um, mm-hmm. like I said, it was, um, there was a lot of good and bad experiences there. Um, <laughs> and I felt uh, a little underappreciated, which is ultimately the reason why I left after a, okay. about a year of being there. But okay. I'll ultimately say, though, I I feel like that was also part, partly on me. I was kind of pretty young. Okay. And I really didn't know how to, like, advocate for myself. You gotcha. know, I, I do think the people that um, 
that ended up the recording, especially most of the artists, like they did appreciate me. Mm -hmm. But I think, you know, it's kind of like that phrase, like closed mouths don't get fed. Yeah, so, you you're know, so right and, about you know, that. And uh, they appreciated me, but like when I wanted to get paid, what I felt I would deserve to get paid mm -hmm. or, you know, just be treated in a certain manner, you know, it's like mm -hmm. I didn't have the words or the confidence to speak up for myself at yeah. that time. So I love that you bring that up because I definitely have had that experience myself. And it's easy to sort of like blame the environment, yeah. blame the people that you're around, you yeah. know, and then, you know, if you have enough foresight to like look inwards to mm -hmm. be like, you know what? I had a part and I could have done X, Y, Z. So I think it's important for people to know, like when you're in situations that either could be opportunities or just always like a growth um, situation to evaluate how you could have done better and then do that the next time. Exactly. Because, I mean, there were there were instances where they where they did come and ask me, like, is there, you know, what can we do for you? Mm. And I still even in that instance, there weren't, don't get me wrong, there weren't many instances. <laughs> where they, <laughs> right. And this was after many months of doing very quality work for them. Okay. But at the same time, like, you know, when that opportunity arose, I think I was a little bit um, for lack of better words, bitter. Mm. And because I was a little bitter that I just didn't even, you know, I didn't even speak up for myself at yeah. that point. So, And there's something to be said about not being able to receive things at a, a certain period of time. Yeah, that's a fact. Yeah, because <laughs> I've gone through that as well, like where I know that people have done wonderful things for me. And because it wasn't exactly how I pictured it, you mm -hmm. know, to be, I didn't appreciate it. And so it's like you sort of missed that that opportunity yeah. that, you know, you couldn't receive the love, you couldn't receive what they were trying to do, exactly. even though it may not have been in the <laughs> yeah. best package. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't regret it. I mean, I don't mm -hmm. regret it because I really am enjoying what I'm doing now. But mm -hmm. at the same time, you know, I, I won't lie. If I, I wouldn't, I'd be lying if I said that I, at some point in time thought about like, oh, what if I had actually, you know, yeah. had the, the foresight and the confidence to be like, yeah, like pay me this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I need these things. <laughs> yes, I feel you on that one. So how how did you decide to go to engineering school? You said you went to one of the best schools for engineering. How did yeah, you decide that? Yeah, so initially, like, uh, I really got into music through DJing. Like, I okay. DJed when I was uh, pretty young in high school. And, uh, you know, and I think that was really the gateway for me to uh, try to figure it out. Like, I tried to tell my parents who were really supportive. But, mm -hmm. like, obviously, when they hear, like, oh, your kid wants to go into music, especially considering, like, I was a pretty good student. Mm -hmm. I was pretty, you know, I had other things that I had interest in too like I was pretty good at uh, writing I was mm. also pretty good at science so like I kind of felt like I could do a whole bunch of different things but right. I really when I got into DJing like I really liked this music thing so mm. um, and I was initially going to go to school to quote-unquote be a DJ because like, <laughs> and, and we're also talking like maybe because uh, I graduated high school in 2004 what 2004 I think or something okay. like that so mm -hmm. um at that time, there really were like, you know, now there's DJ schools everywhere, yeah. audio schools everywhere right. and stuff like that. But back then, there really wasn't that many. And um, there definitely weren't any that were accredited. So, gotcha. <laughs> so, so <laughs> my sure. parents weren't really too, too keen on me doing that. Um, but um, the other job that I knew that was out there was mm -hmm. like uh, audio engine was audio engineering. And at that time, like my music chops, like I think every audio engineer, like secretly, they want to be a producer. Like everybody, okay. anybody who any any audio engineer that's out there that right. that gets into music, like honestly, like they're all trying to be producers. producers. <laughs> they're, okay. all, they're all trying to be producers. <laughs> Keep it real. <laughs> yeah. But um, so I was like, oh, I'll do that. And mm -hmm. that's kind of what got me into it because I figured like the closest I could my my mindset was the mm -hmm. closer I could be to the music the better uh, the better it is for okay me, so mm -hmm. um, but yeah but that's essentially what got me in the door in the door yeah. okay 
That's cool. So then you had you got you went there. You got this cool opportunity to work for mm. Jim Jones. Mm. So what happens next after that? So what happens next is one of the other reasons why I decided I wanted to leave was mm-hmm. because, like I said, every audio engineer wants to be a secret producer. Mm-hmm. And one of the cool things I got to witness um, was, you know, these producers would come around, like people who I didn't even know, producers, mm-hmm. that some of them I knew. Okay. Um, like I got to meet one, like uh, I got to meet like a few like relatively famous producers. So mm-hmm. I was like, oh, I know who you are. Okay. Um, the general public might not know who you are, but, but I, I know, know who you are. <laughs> <laughs> but I know who you are. Right. And, um, and I would, but some of these guys were completely unknown and they would come in with like just gang loads of tracks, like mm. just of great music. And they would play them, what's it called? They would play them for, you know, the artists in the studio and they mm-hmm. would pick beats or whatever. Mm-hmm. And sometimes like right there on the spot, like I'd see somebody hand that producer a check for X amount of dollars. Really? And like, and I'm not talking about a small pocket change either. Right. Like, you know, here's five, $10,000 for this beat or whatever or something like wow. that. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, I mean, not all of them were that big, but right. you know, but. You know, they get paid right there on the spot, mm-hmm. showing up in uh, in uh, sweats and uh, flip flops. Right, <laughs> you and know? I was just like, I'm at work, uh, yeah. about to yeah. broker a deal. <laughs> yeah, all I'm doing here is smoking weed, playing some beats for these right. people, get walk out with a check, and mm. I was like, I want to do that. <laughs> <laughs> That's the job for me. <laughs> and the thing is, during this time, I'd always been like working on you know mm. my own producing my own music, working mm. on my own beats and stuff like that. So. Mm. Um, I went into what's it called? Like so, I was like, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do that. Okay. You know? And the thing is, during this entire time, like I had also been working like a full time, you know, day job. Okay. And um, eventually, I ended up working. I cut down my hours, and I said, you know, I'm gonna work part time and mm. focus more on, you know, your music. Um, focus more on my music and stuff like that. And, you know, I would say I had some relative success with that, but I also kind of focused on something a little bit different, too. Yes, I worked with artists, but I also okay. focused more on trying to license music to um, ah. uh, what's it called for like TV, music and film, because one thing I think a lot of like music producers or anybody that's looking to get into music mm-hmm. is usually just solely thinking about, uh, you know, you know, I guess selling their music to a certain extent, even though that's right. still a really rough thing and hard thing to do nowadays. I'm sure I was going to say, <laughs> like, you made it sound like it's easy you know, for them to. Yeah. But it's like a lot of people, you know, yeah. produce and do beats. I'm sure it's many of you out there yeah. who do so. And yeah, I mean, it's difficult. Yeah. A lot of a lot of people who are in it know the hustle. Um, and then I was just like, you know, or if you're an artist, you're thinking about, like, you know, selling merch and touring and that's how you make your money. But, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, but I wasn't an artist. Uh, so but mm-hmm. I think the lane that I think a lot of people sort of overlook mm-hmm. is is that licensing. And the truth of the matter is about licensing that I think a lot of people don't realize. Like, mm-hmm. yes, you want to make good quality music. Right. But the type of music that gets licensed for stuff isn't necessarily the stuff you always hear on the radio or the right. best stuff that, or the best stuff that's like the hottest thing that's going on right, right. now. Mm-hmm. A lot of stuff that gets licensed. I mean, so even some big producers will tell you like, mm-hmm. hey, I licensed stuff that was like, you know, some stuff that was just shelved, you know, wow. some stuff stuff that I thought was cheesy, horrible, whatever, but it works for this particular product or it works for this particular commercial and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, for me, I never, I mean, mean, full disclosure for anybody who's listening out there, like (laughs) I never made a ton of money doing this. So (laughs) so, like, I'm not trying to sit out here and say that I was uber successful at this, but, you know, um, I licensed like a couple songs for for TV shows. It it ended up getting me a couple of cheeseburgers. (laughs) 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 You know, (laughs) so like not all licenses are built the same or anything like that, just because there's no don't get me wrong like I was very excited when I got my you know $30 yeah. check in the mail <laughs> right right <laughs> you know um but uh but that's good yeah. because it's like you, you loved what you were doing yeah so you continue to do it despite the fact that at the at that time you yeah. hadn't gotten to the level that you wanted to, to be at yeah yeah 
Yeah. But mm-hmm. um, but ultimately, like, you know, I would say that, like, I learned a lot. I learned a lot. I knew mm-hmm. a lot business wise because I also in, in mm-hmm. conjunction to going to school for audio engineering. Like mm-hmm. I also got a entertainment business degree along with mm-hmm. it, too. Okay. So that's another reason why, like, I kind of knew not to put all my eggs sort of all in one, one ba- basket, one basket in terms mm-hmm. of like trying to create multiple revenue streams for myself as a producer, seeing like all the ways that I could possibly make money off of yeah. the music that I was making. That's awesome. So you had. The licensing, which you learned how to do that. And so you were a value add there. Yeah. And then you knew how to produce Mm -hmm. and you knew how to write music. Mm -hmm. And so you all these different avenues you were you were gaining basically Mm -hmm. revenue from. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because there was like because essentially I essentially had like three revenue streams. I was working in music, uh, at least post, you know, working at uh, at uh, Jim Jones's studio. So Mm -hmm. like I had the uh, what's called I was a I was still trying to seek out artists that I really wanted to work with. And that was something that I really wanted to make sure of to only work with artists that I really felt strongly about. And I actually Mm -hmm. did produce like an EP with uh, with uh, uh, a R&B singer. Uh, I'll be honest with you, like in hindsight, like, you know, I think you always feel like you could do better and whatnot. But at the time, you know, but I'm not ashamed of that body of work. Okay. I'm not trying. Is there anyone we know? Um, Not really. Not really. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) not really not really but um but you know wherever she's at i hope she's doing well okay Um, uh but i had that was you know trying to work angles with that Mm -hmm. um you know uh i was trying to sell you know beats and instrumentals to artists so there was another revenue stream there Mm -hmm. and then obviously and then the licensing so those were really the three avenues that i was trying to pursue and i did that for about two years before pivoting to podcasts okay that's dope so for those of you out there who are interested in getting into producing, right? Yeah. There are multiple ways of, of making money. And then now cut to the digital age, yeah. <laughs> right? Where everything is there's like I'm sure there's even even more ways to have Yeah, there's a lot more. Income. Yeah, there's a lot more opportunities now. I think it's um don't get me wrong, like there's a lot of comp don't get me wrong, like it's a lot of competition. It's right. still very hard. Mm-hmm. But I would say because of like, you know, I mean, not to say that I didn't have like smartphones and all these other avenues too right. for me, but even more so now, there's so many ways to be able to promote and get your okay. name out there. So, mm-hmm. you know, you don't have to be as reliant on, you know, other people in order to be able to get your name out there. So, right. Okay, cool. So let's dig in a little bit deeper on the licensing mm-hmm. that you were doing at this at the, at this particular studio. How exactly did you go about that? Um, so... Well, I wasn't really doing it at any particular studio. It was really like, you know, mm. I would mean it was at my home studio. Oh, okay. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but like the licensing that I was doing in terms of licensing my own music, mm-hmm. I mean, there was lots of different sorts of like deals and contracts that were going along with mm-hmm. that. And this is like where like I, some of like the, um, uh, entertainment business sort of knowledge that I had, um, oh, right. kind of came into play, um, mm-hmm. uh, from the degree I got from Full Sail. But, um, which I know some people from Full Sail are just like, oh, I didn't really use that degree at all. <laughs> but uh, you did. Yeah, but I did. But I, but I did a little bit. Uh-huh. Um, I think the the I'll kind of give you like my thinking about it. So like mm-hmm. whenever I finished a track, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I would kind of assess like its viability in terms of like how license how licensability is a word. How, right, you right. Know, you know how licensable this track is. Um, and where do I see it? Like you have to kind of like once you finish it, where do you envision it being, you know, mm. being is it something that you think could be in an advertisement? Do you think it's something okay. that could fit in a particular movie scene? Um, is it something that you could that could fit in um, 
you know, as something that's in a TV show or something like that. These okay. are all sorts of things that I would try to assess once I finished a track. Okay. I tried not to create tracks um, based on a particular scene or anything like that. But every once in a while, I would get um, these things that were, we'll just call them, I think they were called briefs from different like uh, music supervisors. And okay. for people out there who aren't familiar with the music supervisors, these are people who... Um, end up being these are the people that are in charge of choosing the music for the things that we hear in tvs commercial oh, films and stuff like so that that's yeah. a job yeah it's a pretty <laughs> that's it's a, a career it's a pretty cool job i'm not gonna lie like yeah. if, if there was another career path you know th- that might have been it too yeah. wow um, wow it's not too late yeah <laughs> yeah because <laughs> yeah, so essentially it's yeah. like you're like being a dj for you know for, for movies for and, and film. film and stuff like wow. that so it's pretty mm-hmm. cool um but they would get these. I would say I would get these briefs, and they would say like they're looking for music in mm-hmm. this style. You know, they tell you the genre. They usually give you like a reference track. You okay. know, usually something relatively popular. Like, sounds a little something like, like this. this. Okay. Yeah, they, they, they'd be pretty explicit about like what, or pretty specific about like what they were looking for and okay. stuff like that. So mm-hmm. you're trying to sort of, hopefully, you have a track in your catalog or something that you can make in time mm-hmm. for whenever that needed to be submitted. But in terms of like the deals, so like if you were being considered for it, mm-hmm. um. You know, if they ended up choosing your track or even just, you know, in the, you're in the running or something like that, they would kind of send you like, you know, mm. a template sort of contract um, for that. And okay. sometimes it would be things like a, a work for hire and, um, you know, and so, grand, so yeah. what is so. OK, so work for hire is an agreement that basically allows you to decide who's going to own what as mm. part of this relationship. Yeah. So how did you guys sort of work that out? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, a lot of times, I'll be honest with you, as a as a producer that that is not well known, and, <laughs> right? And at the time, couldn't really afford lawyers or anything like that. Like, you don't really have a lot of leverage in terms of ne- in terms of negotiating uh, too many things, depending on who who you're dealing with. I mean, sometimes okay. you could. I'm okay. not going to say like I never did or anything right, right. like that, but. Um, you know, if uh, the person, if the client, if the bit, if the end client is Coca Cola, for example, right. like, there's not <laughs> this really. This is the agreement. <laughs> this is the, this is the agreement, right. and you're going to sign this right. if you if you, you want to get this money. So, mm-hmm. um, and I'll just add there it's because if they're you know sort of paying for for whatever it is, the products, mm-hmm. the music, the 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 audio, they want to make sure that they're free to use it however they want, mm-hmm. and so that goes into why you need to have that paperwork in place for them on the business side, and for you as the artist. You, you know, you're dealing with your leverage, <laughs> your, your power and your authority um, within the market. So mm-hmm. you, you do what you got to do. Exa- mm-hmm. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And like um, and, and just to be like sort of like even more specific about it, like and mm-hmm. not in every case, but a lot of the work for higher cases, you know, mm-hmm. um, and thing is like I would also sometimes get them for work that I engineered too. you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Okay. So it's like it, it's really about how they it's really kind of depends upon like they're pretty much saying, are we going to pay you? Not all the time. Are we paying you in royalties or, or are we paying you as a lump sum? And typically, if it's a work for hire, they're just going to pay you a lump sum that the two that you and them agree upon. So, right. And what I will say is, like, usually when you're doing a work for hire sort of situation, like, yes, the lump sum um can be very enticing mm-hmm. um and to be honest to be honest most of the time i took it because like, i didn't really feel like you know they're really i sometimes you're going to know there's really not going to be a ton of royalties or right anything right like so depending would, on what it's being so used for, for depending on depending, yeah, yeah, depending on what it's being used for you know there's really <laughs> <laughs> you know that it's uh not going to be uh mm-hmm. you, you know you're not going to really see a lot of back-end royalties for that sort of thing mm-hmm. um but 
I think what it is is once you complete a piece of music and you mm. assess what it can be used for and, mm. and kind of like how good it is too. Right, right. Um, if you know you have a, a, a track in, and even if you're not even talking about licensing for ads, for example, right? Okay. Which is even different between licensing to a uh, to an artist, right? Okay. And mm-hmm. this is like somebody where you're not really directly involved with the artist. Like, for example, there are websites out there like BeatStars, which is a very popular website, and, okay. and others too, where you see a whole bunch of producers will have like their, you know, their beats on their there. Beats, their beats on there. Okay. And then you can, the person who's the artist can go on there and choose, or just someone who's looking for music can go in there and choose the level of quote unquote like ownership, quality. quality and ownership mm, of. Okay. Of uh oh, it's called, of that track. Now, if you have a really good track that you believe could potentially be a hit, mm-hmm. you know, um, you're gonna ask for royalties on something. Like you can ask for royalties or something like that. Or, for example, like if uh the like it's called the most expensive thing that usually you can buy on a website like mm-hmm. that is the you buy the exclusive rights. Mm, so if right. you buy the exclusive rights, usually that means the person is buying that beat from you or that track from you outright, and then you don't own it anymore. Anymore, but right. usually. Like, you know, as a smart business person would do. And obviously you're going to put a very high premium on that because at that point in time, that means that you no longer own that track. Mm -hmm. And um, at that point, you can't license it anymore. And the benefit of being able to license it do something that you continue to own right. is that like you can as long as you're not giving away all the rights to it mm-hmm. like even though you might only get like maybe someone wants to license it for $25 for you mm-hmm. know you still own you that. still own it you so still you can keep reusing it, it yeah meaning like thousands, re- yeah, mm-hmm. thousands of people could could buy your $25 you know, yeah <laughs> license you know for you know theoretically forever yeah you know so that's the reason why if you're going to do the exclusive route or mm-hmm. if someone's going to buy or if you're going to put a price on the exclusive you got to make sure that it's a a high dollar amount that's 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 super dope because Mm -hmm. um so now you see when you protect what you've created Mm -hmm. (laughs) and you are able to sort of like exploit it there's a lot of money there so you can license it you can sell it you could sell it to somebody for exclusive use but you know that if you're selling and you're you know giving away all your rights to it that there's a higher value there just Mm -hmm. like you know josh really said so all that has to be accounted for when you're negotiating these type of deals these type of transactions because you want to make sure that you're adequately being compensated for what you're what you're creating yeah 100 percent. yeah so what made you pivot to podcasting um the short answer is i wasn't (laughs) making any money okay (laughs) (laughs) um but i did it like one thing i will say is like i did all these steps like as i because i kind of pivoted multiple times like in like in a very like in on all of this is within the last like maybe six or seven years i pivoted multiple times and but i always kind of did it a little bit strategically like you know when i decided to work part-time and then eventually i stopped working part-time i saved up money to in order to do all of these things okay um so like i was never when i say like yeah like i wasn't making any money but i literally saved money um from working full-time and Mm part-time you know i was still tucking away lots and lots of money so that like when i knew when there were times where i wasn't making a paycheck or getting any money right you know i wasn't missing out on rent or anything like that you know gotcha. i lived a very very frugal lifestyle i still do <laughs> <laughs> to, okay. uh, what's it called to a very large extent but um uh but yeah like i made all these things made all these moves strategically um and what made me pivot to podcast was like i wasn't making any money and to, but the bigger thing was like mm-hmm. my relationship to me making music was not as what I thought it would be uh, after a while. Like, okay. you know, um, 
you know, I'd gotten a lot better as a producer. Um, I gotten a lot better as an engineer, but like it wasn't as rewarding for me as it was when I, when I. It was one thing when you were doing it just for fun, right? And, you know, and right. a lot of people tell you this too. You know, yeah. when you when you make your passion the thing that um, uh, earns what, a living. that earns a living, <laughs> you know, it really does change your relationship with it. Mm. And it's not that I really began to hate it or anything like that, but mm. it was just because uh, you know I was actually liking the stuff that I was making, but I also was realizing the stuff that I wanted to make wasn't necessarily the most. Uh, commercially viable stuff oh, I understand. <laughs> you, know, yeah. for, you know i realized that i had a very niche sort of sound mm-hmm. um and it wasn't something that you know especially considering i i was uh really focused on where like the big dollars were for the licensing and stuff like mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. like you know they always want very happy cheer like especially if, like advertisements are where some of the, the biggest paydays are okay and there were some times where i was like you know you're competing with a lot of people and like i knew i was like oh my song is a finalist for something that right. could pay me ten thousand dollars and knowing that you lost out to the one of other person that was <laughs> right, right. being considered so wow. like that that, mm. that stuff you know having moments like that made you feel good in the moment you're like hey you know i got good i got you know my tracks are good enough for, right. for, for you know for uh someone to want to pay me this sort of money but also at the same time but when you don't get that opportunity you're mm-hmm. like you know you know it's kind of like a catch-22 but um yeah so you felt like um you fell out of love with it did you feel like the time was wasted or did you feel like it was good to be able to discover Mm-hmm. Um, hmm, that's a good question. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't, I don't really believe any time is ever wasted because there's right. a lot that I, I mean, there's that saying you learn a lot more from your losses than your wins. And, yeah, well, and let me tell you something. For anybody who's listening, I lost a lot. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> I took a lot of L's. <laughs> okay, um, and um, I definitely don't think it was wasted because. Mm. Well, I would say a lot of the things that I learned business wise in terms mm. of time management mm. uh, for myself. Mm. Uh, and it was also just in terms of just like general business practices, um, uh, how to work efficiently, mm-hmm, right. <laughs> you know, um, and uh, a lesson that I'm still learning is how to put a team around you and stuff like that. OK. You know, I think a lot of those a lot of those things I learned the hard way. But, I, you know, and, but I've nonetheless, but nonetheless. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I feel you on that because like even things that I've, I wish that I had made better decisions about or had done in a different way. Mm. There's always times where I'm I may be going through something you know present and I'm like oh I see how that piece of information comes full circle mm-hmm. and so I, I agree I don't think there's anything that's you know ever lost whatever reason that that was your path mm-hmm. that was your path and yeah. I'm sure it will all tie it it, it has tied in but all <laughs> will will continue to tie in yeah so tell me about um your your now your transition to podcasting and what's it, what's your relationship with that now <laughs> so like i've been doing i guess you could say i've been in the podcast world for about 5 years now going on maybe 5 and a half okay. years now mm-hmm. um so how that really came about was literally um I had had like a talk with my what's it called I had a talk with at the time my then fiance now wife mm-hmm. i i it's called i had a talk with her cuz um one of the things, because like, you know, I think we knew that we were eventually going to get married and we were okay. trying to move together and stuff like that in terms right. of like both of our career paths and stuff like that. Um, and and I told her like when I quit my job, when I even quit the part time job, mm-hmm. I was like, look, I'm going to give myself a year to try to figure this thing out. Okay. And, you know. I wouldn't say I didn't figure it out, but I figured out like, you know, whether, you know, whether I'm going to continue with this or not. And Mm -hmm, I decided mm -hmm. and, you know, and I decided not in the same capacity, like, or this is just not, this isn't working clearly. Um, So I was literally on the train one day and I was listening to a podcast 
And I don't remember what podcast it was, but I just kind of had a like a legit epiphany. And I was just like, I know how to make one of these. Mm. I know exactly what goes into making one of these Mm -hmm. because I've been working. Essentially, I've been working with audio since I was a teenager at this point. Okay, you know what I'm saying? Like Mm -hmm. I've been editing audio like damn near my entire life. Wow. And all it's called. And even though like I'd only been working on it in a music capacity audio is still audio like right, it's that, right. that 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 really doesn't change like all the same skill sets that all the same skills that you need in order to edit audio and music mm-hmm. pretty much all, tra- all all translate or cross over into what you need to do for podcasting and okay. in many ways if you've been working in music for a while like it's the secret is it's a lot easier <laughs> it's <laughs> that's a, good that's it's good. actually a lot easier don't get me wrong. There, there are instances where like uh, like scripted podcasts for example where you're mm-hmm. gonna add like music and sound effects and all these things to make it sort of like theater of the mind mm-hmm. like those kind of stuff is is just as challenging as putting putting together a music track and okay. stuff like that okay. but sort of like but the difference between i would say the degree of difficulty between uh you know uh, creating a finished uh, music track versus mm-hmm. you know uh, a podcast episode. Oh no, yeah, ways. Way I mean, like easy. yeah, I mean, like I could spend I could spend a whole week on a track, wow. you know, weeks on one track. You know, for a podcast episode, I'm done in 20 minutes. You know? <laughs> <laughs> look at that, look at that, and that goes back to what yeah. we were saying: how like you never know how your skills will translate into yeah. the next thing, and you're like, oh shoot, all of these things apply here. Yeah, you know, I'm already good at this, so mm-hmm. that's that's good. Never taking anything for granted. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think the hard part. Was was just um or the the part with that was uh a little bit of a leap of faith but a what i would say was a relatively easy leap of faith mm-hmm, in a way mm-hmm. was just the fact of like i had i was like i know that i can create these things right but now that i'm thinking about seeking employment in this area i need to be able to convince somebody that hey i can do this right. very very well very well <laughs> <laughs> like i know i can do this very very well even mm-hmm. though i've never done it before mm. and um so how it happened was I, you know, oddly enough, Craigslist has actually gotten me just about every single job <laughs> <Really>? <laughs> that so I've funny. ever gotten, which is, which is really. Do you guys cr- even know what Craigslist <laughs> I, is? I know. <laughs> Shout out to Craigslist. Craigslist <laughs> has been like a, a really big savior for me in life. And, and I don't know why it's been so pivotal. Right. But You're like, one of those people yeah. who it just works for. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, even me and need, initially meeting my initial business partner for mm. this place happened through uh, Craigslist as well. Wow. Actually. wow. Okay. <laughs> yeah. um, but, um. Essentially, uh, essentially, uh, what happened was from your epiphany. Yeah, from, yeah, yeah. I forgot to go from my epiphany, and thank you because mm-hmm. I was losing my train of thought there. <laughs> um, I was on Craigslist and I found I was looking for job listings for specifically for podcasting, mm-hmm. and I saw an ad in a, a what's it called a relatively big podcast called The Human Experience. Mm-hmm. That I'm not sure if it's actually still going on right now. Okay, but um, they what's it called the host of the show was looking for a. Um, he was looking for a brand new editor slash producer. And I okay. was like, okay. Um, and so I reached out to him and sent him my resume. And he's just like, uh, well, your resume sounds impressive, but you've never done podcasting before. Mm. And he's just like, you know, but I'm going to ask you to submit a demo with like a bunch of other people. And, you know, whoever submits the best demo to me wins. And mm. pretty much what we had to do was repurpose like three uh, already existing episodes of his um, and kind of put That's them. Good. Yeah. And I was like, <laughs> I was just like, and kind of make like a best of sort of thing. Ah. So I was just like, you know what? I'm going to show this guy everything that I can do. Mm-hmm. Like it was kind of like the demo. I'm not going to lie. It was very extra. Okay. <laughs> like it was. You was like, I'm going to shoot my shot. Not, yeah. I got one shot. I'm not going to blow it. Yeah. So. Yeah. So I was like, you know, what? I'm going to show him everything that I can do. Okay. And then, 
you know, he's like, you know, and then he chose mine out of like 50 other applicants. That's dope. Yeah. And I was just like, and he was just like, yeah, everybody else kind of gave me the same thing. You gave me something really different. And Mm. granted, he's like, I don't need you to do all those things. (laughs) (laughs) But but, (laughs) he's like, but knowing that you can do all of those things means Mm. like I, you know, opens up, gave me ideas for future episodes and stuff like that. So, um, so we worked together for, um, and the, the host of the show is uh, who I was mm. working for. His name is Xavier Katana. Okay, and uh, I ended up working with him for um, about two years. And okay. like you know, and his podcast was you know his podcast was big, but we even even helped him grow a little bit more. The production okay. value definitely stepped up. Got um, it. You got know, it. and I say that with all the humbleness, <laughs> humility, and all, yeah. you know, all the humility. Yeah, he, he's definitely very humble. <laughs> you know, yeah, so. mm. and, yeah, because like the one thing I noticed too was like, yeah, we can improve X, Y, and Z. You know, mm. we should be doing. You know, um, uh, you know, I kind of you know, gave him some ideas in terms of like, we can do ads and like, you know, what we should put in them. So mm-hmm. I wrote some copy for those sorts of things. Okay. You know, we got some, I told him like, yeah, we should get some testimonials. Cause we had a, we had a pretty big following, like okay. just, just to give it some context. And to me, like numbers aren't everything, mm-hmm. but like we had a very, very large community. Like I'd probably nice. say on the low end, we averaged around maybe uh, 12,000 listens per episode, well, that's uh, you know, good. in a given mm-hmm. like over like maybe a week or two. Mm-hmm. And then on the high end, we could have 80,000. So like just depended on the guests. And we, right, had some, right. we had some high profile guests, um, like some I would say like they're n- none of them are like super duper like, you know, like celebrities or anything like right. that. But um, but they're all like very well known experts in their field. Like a lot okay. of people. Some of these people have been like featured on Joe Rogan and stuff like that. So, OK, like, OK. So if, if pe- followers of the podcast yes, knew, knew who, who was who. Yeah. 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 That's that's dope. Yeah. So I, I did. So you you mentioned through. something about um writing copy and things like that. And I know you're very good with sort of like words and yeah. kind of like <laughs> saying things in such a way. So it's like to like get the audience's attention how how did you build that skill set um i I probably have to say first and foremost Mm. i'd have to thank like my freshman year like english teacher (laughs) (laughs) shout out to the english (laughs) teacher who was a huge pain in the ass but i was always a good i was always a good i was always a good writer Mm. and um and I kind of, I've always like thought in the back of my mind, if I didn't go the music route, I probably would have did something like broad, like, but like a journalist or something. Like okay. That. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'd always kind of been good at writing, um, especially after, you know, uh, being taught by that teacher. But, mm-hmm. um, what I think it is, is that like naturally, like I like to speak with as much clarity as possible. Mm, okay. And like, I think is like when I listen to people and this might be, you know, quote unquote, you can call it a gift or whatever, but okay. like. When I hear what's it called? When I hear people talk, mm-hmm. what I realize is like uh, a lot of people don't know how to express themselves and with a lot of clarity. Gotcha. Yes, <laughs> yeah. I've and, I've experienced that too. <laughs> yeah, and I think it's very I think it's a very difficult thing to do, and I think I think I struggle with it even speaking wise. You know, yeah. sometimes, but um, uh, I think I naturally had that gift. But I think the other thing is too is when I initially started the studio, mm-hmm. um, the one thing I knew I was not interested in doing was simply recording people. Okay. I was bored of that. I was really, <laughs> I'll be Record. honest with you. I'll be honest with you. I was not, that was not my main interest to wanting to get into podcasting. Like mm-hmm. at least when I was starting the studio, like I wanted to be, to be a space where I could actually try to help people be the best that they could be, mm. you know? And I think part of it was, um, you know, I took some of the things that I learned while, you know, working for the human experience podcast. Okay. Um, but 
I would probably say a lot of the things that, you know, that, you know, in, in full disclosure, you know, yes, I've, I've helped you and told you some things. Yes. And some critiques <laughs> and stuff like that. He's been coaching me behind <laughs> the scenes with, with, with really good insight, you know, that has helped me. So I feel like I've been growing, you know, mm. as I've been go- going through this podcast and, you know, this podcast is young if you guys have been following. Mm. And so um, you really have a... a I don't know. It's just like you really have a way with sort of making things like I'll say, okay, this is what I want to talk about. And like he'll flip it and it'll be like, dang, Josh, in like three seconds you came up with it. And I'm an attorney. So like, (laughs) go ahead. Yeah. I mean, I think it means being able to speak with clarity. And then I would probably say like the two things that like the two things, you know, you and you're going to hear me. You've heard me say this to you before. So to you, this is nothing new. But like, you know, for anybody who's looking to to start a podcast out there, if you're out Mm -hmm. there, you know, listening to this, watching this and you're interested in starting a podcast, like speaking with clarity, like you when you're speaking, uh, whatever you're doing, whatever you're trying to express, you have to you have to express it with clarity. But then mm-hmm. it also has to be compelling. Those mm-hmm. are like the two things. If you are able to to uh, effectively communicate doing those two things, right. um, you should have a good product. Like li- like literally, right. like that's really <laughs> what it comes down to. Um, because a lot of people either fail at one of those two things or fail at both of those things. Okay, you know, and a lot of it is how you. F- I mean, it's uh, there's a lot of people that have like very interesting things to say, very like, and they have great voices. You know, mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. that's the thing that I think that I find. You know, I, I'm so compelled to help people with this because <laughs> like I find it frustrating when I see somebody that has. I know something really like really great information or something right. really good to say mm. um, uh, or and it, and people really need to hear this, mm-hmm. but they can't they can't express it in a way where people will actually tune into them. And that's where I believe right. I that's where I most try to help people um, in that okay. in that department. So, yeah, that's awesome. And and I agree because it's a lot of times people think that they're speaking clearly or they're mm-hmm. communicating clearly. But on the other end, you're like, I'm sorry, what? Yeah. <laughs> so and I deal with that with clients having to explain to me scenarios and what mm-hmm. they want to do. And so I always have to like break it down. Um, but from the creative perspective, it's different, right? Yeah. You want to really sort of, you want to give people what they care about mm-hmm. and how they want to, how they care about hearing it. So I, I totally um, understand that. So Josh, what are some of the benefits of having a podcast when you already have like your main business, mm-hmm. but you add a podcast on to, I guess, as marketing yeah, I think, um, I mean, obviously there's many different reasons to start mm-hmm. a podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, people do it for personal reasons. It's like a passion project of theirs. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's many good reasons, but I would say like from a, a business perspective, like if you're, if you're a business owner, mm-hmm. an entrepreneur out there and like you're quote unquote looking to, I hate saying that we're a build your brand, but, <laughs> but it's a real thing. Um, it definitely is yeah, a thing. Yeah. yeah. So, um, especially if you are a person who, um, you're really like the, you know, the, the face of your company and mm-hmm. everything like that. Um, you know, I think in today's day and age, especially people who are, you know, a little bit younger, I probably say if like you're under the age of 45, mm-hmm. there's that term, the uh, the passion economy right. is a real thing. And mm-hmm. people really want to um, really more so than ever care about where they're spending their money and who they're Very spending the, who they're spending their money on. Mm-hmm. Um so I really believe a podcast can allow for people to get to know you, the person, mm-hmm. like behind what you're trying to do, why you're trying to do it, and they get to know you. Mm-hmm. Um, I think all of that helps in terms of uh, in terms of whether or not they will decide to ultimately, you know, buy your products or services. I mean, yeah. I think that's a, I would say that's true for me. Like mm-hmm. for the most part, like you know, 
I mean, yes, you know, like anybody else, I buy stuff from big names and big <laughs> right. brands and stuff Amazon, like that. We're Amazon, we're not BFFs with yeah, Bezos. Yeah, I, yeah, that's what called. <laughs> Jeff manages to get my money all the time. <laughs> right. Damn it, Jeff. Even when I don't want to spend <laughs> no, with you. <laughs> no, I try to go out of my way not to give Jeff all my money. But um, <laughs> but the truth of the matter is, is uh, you know, I think all that stuff really matters when it comes to mm-hmm. Um, what's it called? All that stuff really matters when it comes to people, uh, you know, caring about where they're spending their money. Right. And, you know, don't get me wrong. Like, I will tell what's it called. I do believe in, you know, monetizing your podcast. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, like I mentioned earlier. But um, right. but the truth of the matter is, is like, you know, if you're looking to strictly if you're looking at podcasting as a as a purely like a money making venture mm-hmm. there are a lot better ways <laughs> to make money <laughs> I'll than be, having I, a podcast than having a podcast like okay. there's a lot better business ventures a podcast can be a business venture on its own mm-hmm. but i wouldn't say it's the easiest or fastest way to go about right so the people who are doing it super successfully Mm -hmm. it's not the norm right they're the exception yeah Mm -hmm. they're not not the norm but like i will say i will say that um in order to at least sort of break even because i think a lot of people Mm -hmm. would just be would are are very happy as long as they don't have to come out of pocket anymore (laughs) (laughs) you know for their for their podcast i think break even is something that is very achievable but Mm -hmm. like like uh but it, like it, like anything, it, it involves being consistent and takes some time. Right, um, right. But in terms of just like a business, uh, I mean, it's a great marketing tool slash like what's that term like loss leader or whatever, okay. which is really what it, really the same thing is like it's a marketing tool mm-hmm. um, in order for you to be able to really in order for people to really get to know you know either the ethos of the brand they get right. to know you know what you're doing why you're doing it all those things I think are very very uh, it can be very very beneficial you know. And I think sometimes people, um, you know, uh, when they're starting uh, a podcast for their business, they, you know, really need to make sure that they're honing in on, um, you know, you're doing this for a reason. And there's nothing wrong with, you know, admitting that, yes, you're doing it because you're looking to Mm -hmm. either attract new clients Mm -hmm. or you're trying or for the people that already kind of know you, but maybe haven't purchased your products or services. They're getting what's called you're trying to attract them to get them to know you a little bit better, but Mm -hmm. getting to do it in a more genuine way. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Full transparency for me, like I love doing, you know, the podcasting. I Mm -hmm. love it. Um, I think it's fun. But what I love most about it is that I get to be myself Mm. and I get to show people like Mm. who I am you know what I mean because like when you hear like attorney or you know Mm. law firm like people tend to like kind of um have a have a negative connotation in in terms of like personality wise like there's not like a lot of personality associated with that so it's like you know when you want people to know yeah I'm a human Mm -hmm. I'm real like you know I have similar you know experiences to you similar um, wants and desires to you and mm-hmm. so it does open up and and let me do it in a genuine way instead of saying like hi I'm Sabine Franco and yeah. you know <laughs> like yeah. you don't instead of you just being like a commercial or right some, exactly or, or something like, exactly because that doesn't feel good you know to be able to like I hate selly you know yeah. type of things <laughs> and like I hate if I had to like just do that mm-hmm. yeah and I think and the other thing is too is like even though like yes trying to do a podcast and and producing a podcast does you know, it does take time and, take, mm-hmm. and it's gonna, it does take money. But I mean, like if you were to compare the cost of that, of creating a podcast versus running ads on TV oh, yeah. all the time or mm-hmm. ads on radio, you tell me which one is more cost effective. <laughs> Absolutely. And which one is more enjoyable too, because I feel yeah. like you can, it can serve some purpose for you as well, what's it called, you know, personally as well as professionally. So. Yeah. hundred percent. It's definitely yeah. rewarding. Yeah. I know you've worked with tons of <laughs> yeah. podcasts. Um, have you had any, um, 
experiences that you find like particularly interesting with dealing? I mean, I think, I mean, honestly, like almost every day is, mm-hmm. I mean, maybe not every day, <laughs> <laughs> but there really isn't a week that goes by where I don't hear something interesting. I mean, like I get a chance to literally be the other cool part about this job is mm-hmm. like, I also, I'm a guy that loves to learn. So. Okay. That works. <laughs> so yeah. I, lo- I love to learn. Mm-hmm. And uh, just by the nature of sitting in that chair, and for those of you who are watching us, there is a chair over there that you can't <laughs> see. And that you, I'm usually sitting in that chair, right? But, um, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I get a chance to learn about all sorts of things. I mean, um, I get a chance to hear about everything from you know there are journalists from like you know, mm. and this is not like to be honest, like I don't really care about like the names of the publications or right, anything right, like right. that. But like the New York Times, uh, nice. Al Jazeera, mm. I, uh, what's it called? I get to learn about uh, what's it called? There's a uh, uh, there's a person who uh, specializes in uh, people who are dominatrixes. Okay. <laughs> you know, so like <laughs> literally, so like literally, I get an education in all these subject matters whether you were curious or <laughs> not whether i was curious or not you know and, and the other thing is that it, that i really like you know is despite the fact that i am uh, personally i'm uh, and you know mm. I, i'm i'm kind of like a hardcore introvert personally okay <laughs> um, despite the fact that i have to talk to people every single day mm. um but i'm fascinated by people though mm. And um, and I'm always fascinated by how people think, how why they think the things that they think. So, okay. you know, it's given me a lot of insight into just people in general. And yeah, um, yeah. and that I part think- is, is something that has become, you know, whether I wanted it to or not, it's really allows me to be able to connect with like people from all walks of life. That's dope. Maybe that's why we connect so well, because mm-hmm. I also I love to learn. Mm-hmm. I am an introvert, <laughs> <laughs> although it doesn't seem like it, <laughs> yeah. but, you know. I am. And um, yeah, and I am fascinated by learning how people make their way through life, mm-hmm. you know, and everybody has a different path. And sometimes you think somebody's path is better than yours or, you know, the way that they the route that they took was more uh, opportunistic or what have you. But it's just like you can't never walk anybody's walk. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And so it's I, I love learning about it. And I always think thought that I should have been like a psychology major. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> was like that's where you really learn that mm-hmm. stuff. But it's it's super it's super cool. So you feel like this has that has sort of like changed your life. Like, are you enjoying what you're doing now? Yeah, I mean, I really enjoy it in the sense because, like I said, like I a I get a chance to help people with their content, which is the main thing that gives me the most joy. More so than more so than anything else, mm-hmm. like is being able to help people with their content, um, and like. And to be honest with you, it's just like, despite the fact, like, you know, like, mm. obviously there are some podcasters we in here, that I have in here that, like, you know, they have massive followings. They have very mm-hmm. big followings. And, you know, I think some people would think, like, oh, I'd be most excited about those clients. Okay. And, and it's not that I'm not excited about those clients, mm-hmm. like, and I have good relationships with those clients. Um, but the truth of the matter is, the one where I actually have the most enjoyment is mm-hmm. the average person that comes off the street. They say they have a podcast, they want to start a podcast, mm-hmm. and being able to literally help them step by step to help them to helping them essentially attract the community that they're trying to create around their podcast. Mm-hmm. Because that's the thing, you know. I think uh, anyone who's looking to start a podcast, I think a lot of people think about, um, you know you know millions of people watching or viewing or listening i mean right. don't get me wrong like yes if you have that sort of following it's great <laughs> that's dope that's right? dope it's cool <laughs> like i'm not trying to say that it's not mm-hmm. uh, and they think about you know monetization which is also a very you know important thing it's not something mm-hmm. i try to skirt around either because i think that is something that is obviously very important right uh whether it's good if it's if podcasting is something you want to do long term mm-hmm. um but the uh, the truth of the matter is is uh i just really really enjoy watching people 
um, getting a chance to express themselves the mm-hmm. way that they intend to be expressed and in, in being heard mm-hmm. and then building a community around their content and then connecting, being able to make connections with those people. Right. Um, you know, there's there's been at least, you know, there's been a, plenty of podcasters that I've like, I can literally like every time I see them now, like mm-hmm. I'm very, very happy with where they've gotten to. That's awesome. And it just, you know, just seeing being like, like hearing stories about like how they connect how someone stumbled upon their podcast halfway across the world mm-hmm. and they listen to them all the time. Yeah. Um, and they really just connect with their, and they really connect with their content. And to me, like that's the coolest thing on the planet. Like, yeah. you know, I recently went to Invest Fest, um, mm-hmm. which is Earn Your Leisure's. Everybody, everybody knows Earn Your Leisure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I have to explain to you who they are. But they, they, they've started a very successful podcast three years ago, and they just had an event where all of their followers have come to to basically together to learn about investing and financial mm-hmm. literacy. And like the, it was such a community you just felt like you were in in the midst of family Mm -hmm. and so i get what you're saying like they people like-minded same energy same like you know wants out of life have connected through this one podcast and now you know it's basically like a family and a community and a following that you couldn't even i I don't know how else you create something like that yeah that sounds pretty cool like Mm -hmm. i i was that's something like personally like i'm really I'm really big on and that's Mm -hmm. not to say that like I have made all the smartest financial choices in the world but Mm -hmm. like if there's one thing I could change about like you know uh, things that they should be teaching in public schools and stuff like that I'm Mm -hmm. just like I think we could skip a few classes (laughs) yes you know because I'm sure as I'm sure you know and Mm -hmm. I've heard you talk about you know with other with other guests on your podcast too it's just like you know for all the big financial choices you're going to make in Mm -hmm. your life no Mm -hmm. one ever teaches you you're just that's supposed to be I guess taught at home or something like yeah, that but I'm just like, like but you know but most people's parents don't have that you know they only know about that stuff through you exactly. know experience maybe and that's about it exactly if you're lucky enough for your parent to have uh, have had a positive um, financial experience or mm-hmm. financial literacy experience then you were that that was then passed down to you but for many of us we didn't have that mm-hmm. you know what I mean and so to be able to have um, people who have walked the walk, they have learned the information and now wanting to come back and like share it with the community. That's like super awesome. And you said something about like the public schools. I was thinking about that as well because like my daughter's in, she's in, she's in a private school, but mm. at the same time, she's not getting financial literacy. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. That's, that's true too. I mean, <laughs> you like, know, <laughs> and yeah, and it, it bothers me and I'm like, what can I do with that? You know, at this point where she's eight years old, I could actually like infuse that information into her. And I, I mean, it really does fall on me, but I wish there was a school system or program or something that, mm. you know, I could I could utilize. So if you guys know anything, definitely <laughs> hit me up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm sure she's learning some stuff from you now. I mean, I, w- yeah. I would say part of the reason because, I mean, starting mm-hmm. a business is a relatively um well, I'll say I don't want to say scary endeavor, but mm-hmm. it's you know you're taking relative you're taking a leap of faith to a certain extent, right? right. And uh, you know, like I uh, my parents um, ran a daycare center for a little bit, so oh, like okay. I think so like even though like I didn't learn, oh, it's good, I learned a little bit. Like I used to do the payroll when I was a kid for them oh, and stuff like that. I mean that. that's big, Josh. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, but uh, you know, I think you know even though like I didn't learn half the things that I learned, you know, that I know now from yeah. that experience because I was really young. But mm-hmm. I will say, you know, just seeing somebody else do something something you know mm-hmm. you know at least can give you be like well if they did it you know then i, I could do then it. i can do it yeah i think i think you probably underestimate how much value you got from that mm-hmm. <laughs> you know from that from that no one mm-hmm. knowing that they were entrepreneurs and mm-hmm. that they were in business so mm-hmm. that you probably had that that seed planted and then you were also exposed to like there is a method to keeping these finances to keep these lights on and mm-hmm. things like that so yeah. 
that that was probably dope. So, um, what is the future of your of your um, business? What like what do you want out of <laughs> what do you want this to become? That's a good question. I've actually been I, I've been thinking a lot about that mm-hmm. now because um, I'm at a point now where you know I mean. I was I was at that point kind of last year, bef- mm. right before the pandemic. I was okay. like, thinking about opening up another location, and that is still something that is uh, um, I had to put on hiatus, but actually might happen in twenty twenty two. Possibly, there's a there's a strong mm. possibility of that happening. Mm. Mm. Um, but the main thing, what's called the main thing that I'm that I'm looking forward to right now is just sort of expanding the services because one of the things is like. As you know, like I talk to people, you know, mm-hmm. what's called, I talk to you after every session to be, right. kind of give you like the, you know, Joe Clark lean on me speech. <laughs> yes, <laughs> the, he does. As soon know? as we wrap, I'm like, okay, Josh, lay it on me. What yeah. did I do? <laughs> you know, try to give you a pep talk and everything like that. But, mm-hmm. um, uh, but what I realized is like that's that was good when I was, you know, mm-hmm. uh, first starting out. Mm-hmm. But, you know, as as your business grows and everything like that, um, I realize that's not something that's sustainable mm-hmm. long term, you mm-hmm. know, as the more clients that you get. I'm like, I can't afford the time to be able to do that all the time. Everyone. Um, mm-hmm. So like even right now, um, I've been working on a video series, you know, a very like introductory video series for oh. anybody that's looking to start a podcast. You know, I think a lot of people tend to focus on like, you know, don't get me wrong. Like, yes, you should have a marketing strategy. Mm-hmm. So you should plan all these things, blah, 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 whatever. But, you know, you know, you it's like you having dealt with me. I focus on the content Mm -hmm. because I think at the end of the day, and I'm also like very, I'm very blunt, you know, I'm kind, but I'm very blunt. (laughs) (laughs) I'm very blunt uh, about this, about this subject matter in particular is because I think a lot of people when they start a podcast, because most people, Mm -hmm. there's like a a statistic out there where like most people don't make it past like episode five or six or something Mm -hmm. like that. Like most people, because they realize, they realize they're not getting the traction that they thought. And they um, they realize it's a lot more work because right. doing a podcast for anybody that's interested out there, it is like it's very fun. It is really, really it's fun. fun. Mm-hmm. But it is like a part time job. As it is. You, as you well know. <laughs> it is a job. Yeah, I definitely before I started, yeah. spoke to my friends at Earn Your Leisure and they were just kind of, you know, giving me the background of all the things that kind of goes into it. And so I kind of knew a little bit about what it was going to take, but mm. I am sort of proud of myself that yeah. we're at episode nine you yeah. know what i mean like <laughs> and i think you're off to a good start like honestly and, I, and, and the thing is like i don't say these things lightly either you know mm-hmm. um but uh yeah, now i lost my <laughs> what was I talking about? you you were saying how um it's a lot of work in, oh, yeah. in doing a podcast. oh yeah so it's mm-hmm. a, what's it called it's a lot what's it called it's a lot of work and if you're interested in what's it called uh it's a lot of work and if you're interested in doing a podcast i wanted to create this video this video introduction series mm-hmm. for people um to really focus on how they can get off on the best foot with their content because right. you know when it's when it's not working on it when it's not working for you in the beginning and don't get me wrong like in the beginning if you're not like if you don't already have like a built-in audience with whatever you do mm-hmm. either professionally or personally then yeah you're not going to have a lot of people out there viewing and listening to you in the beginning that's natural okay. for the most part mm-hmm. however um you know if you keep doing these things like let's say you're at episode 100 and you have this you have the same following following yes it could be a marketing thing <laughs> but 99 percent of the time it's probably because your content's not good enough mm, and, you know okay. and, it, and how do they 
So your 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 series is going to help people work on that. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, it's really going to help people work on trying to refine their content. And you know, when you first start off, like it's not going to be perfect. You know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, I'm kind of like a perfectionist in that way. Where like I always want to put my best foot forward, and, and you should. Yes. I'm not trying to say like you you're not going to, but mm-hmm. just also give yourself some leeway in and knowing that you're going to get better as this thing goes along, especially if you've never made content before. Like, you know, you're not going to be perfect first time out. There's a lot of like super famous podcasters out here Mm -hmm. who have millions of followers. And if you ever listened to episode one, it was complete trash. Mm -hmm. And they'll be be the first person to tell you. (laughs) Right, right. (laughs) They'll be the first ones to say that like, yeah, my first episodes, my first 10 episodes, my first 11, 12, 13 episodes were not great. Right, right. Um, But, you know, eventually they figured it out, you know. With a, with a lot of things like consistency mm-hmm. and um you know perseverance, yeah. <laughs> not giving up, mm-hmm. you you just definitely um, build that muscle. And I think for me, like one of the life lessons that I learned from all the things that I've been through is the consistency. Yeah, so it's like, key. yeah, it's very, key. Very like key. I knew that if I wasn't consistent with it, or if I you know gave up too soon, obviously it's not gonna sort of work. And mm-hmm. so that's one of the things that I brought into this. That okay. No, I'm going to be consistent no mm. matter how bad it is. <laughs> I'm going to keep going till it's great. <laughs> yeah, yeah, awesome, awesome. So where can they find your course or when do you think it'll be out? Your series? So I think it'll probably be out. Um, so today, what's it called? today is September 1st. It'll mm-hmm. probably be out hopefully next week on our website. Oh, dope. So right now mm-hmm. it's just going to be on our website. Okay. Um, is, which is brooklynpodcastingstudio.com. So okay. um, I'm not sure what I've decided to call the page, whether it's free advice or resource center or something like that. But okay. pretty much there will be about, I want to say anywhere between three to four videos there for mm-hmm. pretty much brand new podcasters. But to be honest with you, like even if you've been doing podcasting for a while, because mm-hmm. the other thing is too, is like I meet people who have been podcasting for a while too. Right. And I see them make a lot of, you know, for lack of better, for lack of better words, like rookie mistakes. Okay. 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 You know, mm-hmm. and and it's really just because nobody's mentioned it to them, told right. them, or the, or they either that or they're not hearing the advice <laughs> from somebody <laughs> right. else. You know but how um, that goes. Mm-hmm. um, but yeah, I think it's something that um that will be very very useful for what's going for people to check out. Mm-hmm. And to be honest with you, um, you know, if you're looking to start a podcast, whether you live in New York City, whether you're mm-hmm. looking to book a session with at my studio, or not to be honest with you, I don't care if you book a session at the studio. Mm-hmm. You can check that stuff out, and if it, if it helps you. I'm happy. Okay. Like, that's all I really care about. Like, dope, it's dope. Not, so yeah. that's, that's some free info. And, yeah. I, and I promise you it's going to be valuable, very valuable content because yeah. Josh gives a, a lot, a lot of good insight. So check out the website, Brooklyn Podcasting Studio, so you can get your, your free gems. Yeah. <laughs> that's going to help you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, trust me. Like there's, there are things on there if you're looking to start a podcast, like, you know, I don't re- I've never looked at myself as quote unquote like, you know, there are some people that are like, oh, yeah, you're like a podcast guru. Right. Yeah. Or anything like I don't call myself that. Like, I, I don't. <laughs> I, to- he is a podcast guru. <laughs> I will vouch for that. <laughs> but, um, you know, what I am is just pers- someone who, you know, you know, I've sat in at this point. I've probably recorded, you know, just so people understand, like I've probably recorded at this point over 200 different podcasts like mm. just period and in terms of podcast sessions yeah I was gonna clo- say maybe close to 2000 wow like, you know wow. so like mm. I've sat in on a lot of podcasts and I could have sat there and not listened mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. but I listen mm-hmm. to I listen to people uh, I listen to people's content all the time regardless of whether it's good or bad yeah <laughs> and you know and I don't let them walk out the door without telling them something about their content as long as they give me the chance to do so. Yeah, <laughs> as long as they give you permission. Listen, yeah, you know, I do ask. <laughs> 
Awesome, Josh. This was, this was awesome. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much for taking the time out to, you know, speak with me, mm-hmm. share with my audience. Yeah. Um, is that the only place you want them to find you at Brooklyn Podcasting so, Studio? Yeah, so the website's brooklynpodcastingstudio.com. If you're, like I said, in about a week or, or about a week or to 10 days from now, you'll see those videos up. Um, any information about the studio is also up on the website as well. Um, if you also want to check out and see some of the podcasters that are at our studio, likes to be. Uh, <laughs> you can also uh, check out the our, our Instagram, which is Brooklyn Podcasting, um, all together um, mm-hmm. on IG. And I think we also have a Twitter account. But to be honest with you, I don't think I've tweeted to that thing in about a good good year and some change. <laughs> so, <laughs> and I don't even remember what the handle is. But I would say mostly on IG and same thing on Facebook too. Um, but yeah, mostly on IG. You can okay. check us out. Awesome, awesome. Um, I for, almost forgot. I wanted to do the lightning round, <laughs> which I call right quick. So I'm going to say a word. Mm. You know how it goes. And mm. you'll tell me what comes to mind. Mm. So the first thing is wisdom. Uh, mom. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Nice. Mom, yeah. My mom is the wisest person. I mean, she's she's I mean, like, I think like any good mom or whatever, like mm. you think she there are things that she's told me as a child mm-hmm. that um have come back that I'm like just now starting to you know to, to get to yeah get, to get and understand <laughs> so yeah mom okay love um hmm i would yeah i'd say my wife <laughs> i was gonna say Josh, I'd say if my you don't if you don't mention your wife <laughs> oh that's it i would just say my wife i mean i, I would still call it like yeah she's been she's been so supportive of everything that i do mm-hmm. um you know and she gives me and she's honest with me too that's Good. The other oh thing. that's that's key <laughs> and she's very honest with me like that's mm-hmm. the other thing too it's like it's one thing to be supportive but support without the honesty you know can mm-hmm. can, can, can kind of things can kind of go south so, okay yeah. um next one is fun um fun uh <laughs> skating that's mm. actually yeah uh, yeah so um uh what's it all that uh, i've skating is my thing that i do as my that is my release oh, that okay. is that is the thing that i actually you know like podcasting music has always been a passion of mine but mm. skating is the absolutely the most fun thing for me so this is um inline skates yeah okay. so yeah so uh <laughs> Yeah, so for people who aren't familiar with like the term aggressive inline skating from the '90s, like I was that <laughs> I was that person and still am that person, gotcha. jumping gaps, grinding rails. They used to do all that. Sort oh of wow! Stuff. Yeah, so, yeah, if you want to call it extreme skating, you guess you can call, I guess you can call it that. But, Man, yeah. I'm already at the end. I wish I knew this at the beginning. <laughs> that's dope. That's yeah. dope. Um, okay, and finally, don't mess with. Um. Ooh, that's a good question. <laughs> Man, there's so many things. I'm like <laughs> coffee, food, um, hmm. Don't mess with uh I would just say don't mess with the people I care about. Mm, okay, I like <laughs> don't that. Don't mess with the people or I his care coffee about. or his <laughs> food. <laughs> <laughs> don't miss that one. Yeah. Well, thank you, Josh. This was so much fun. <laughs> I really appreciate, appreciate it. you. Appreciate it. It was a lot of fun. All right, thanks. <laughs>